Good morning. Uh, last week we had the privilege of hearing Beth Clausen share with us. She shared her testimony and uh, shared just about her, her walk with the Lord and even gave us a little insight to her relationship with Sean, which I thought was cute. Uh, and then she also shared about her passion for social justice and gave us a lot of information. And um, some of you I saw were able to talk to to Beth afterwards, but but maybe some of you didn't really get a chance to process all that that she shared. And so to start off our time this morning, I'd like us to just kind of reflect on that, because there was a lot that she shared and a lot of information, and we don't want to just forget about it, because it was really good. So um, so around the tables, I'd like you to reflect on what she shared. Maybe think about what you related to about maybe her story something you learned from her, uh, maybe something that encouraged you or something that challenged you, Um, and just talk about those things. Just to share, last week after uh, I went home, I got on a website called Equal Exchange. You know how she talked about buying like one thing that you could maybe buy um, that was fair trade, and so I I got on this website, she had mentioned one time, and um, I got some, ordered some green tea, and so yesterday it actually came in the mail, which I thought was pretty quick, but uh, it's like from a small farming company in, um, or small farm in India, so I thought, well, that was one little thing, you know, and so uh, maybe you did something like that, and you're thinking about it, but just, I was like, oh yeah, I forgot to do that, so maybe, so just kind of talk about those things, um, about about what you learn or what you can do um, from that. So go ahead, I'll give you about five minutes to talk through that. And if you weren't here, maybe share about why you weren't here last week and catch up. But yeah. <laughs> okay, you don't mind. Okay, we'll start. Matthew 13, 31 through 33. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all your seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and perch in its branches. He told us still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into a large amount of flour until it worked all through the dough. And so let's take a look at um, the common interpretation of these parables uh, I, I put common interpretation because as I was studying this and, and looking up different views that different Bible teachers have on it, I found that um, that there are a couple other views on these parables that, that take on a more negative feel. They kind of read into what some of the symbolism is um, and, and go a different direction with it, but I didn't really feel really comfortable going that direction, and so we're going to stick with, with just what the common interpretation is. Of these verses. So it goes something like this. With the mustard seed, it's basically Jesus is telling his disciples that the kingdom of God may be starting out small, that's your feeling, may be starting out small, but it will grow bigger than they expect. And in the parable of the yeast, Jesus is saying the kingdom of God may seem insignificant, insignificant, but as God works it out, it will have a significance impact on the world. So from small to big, from insignificant to significant. Uh, we're going to spend most of our time um, looking at the mustard seed. We're not really going to get into the, the parable of the yeast as much. Um, so, so let's start with the mustard seed. 
that phrase as small as a mustard seed was was basically just a common saying back in that day. Um, We know that a mustard seed is very tiny. It's just this tiny, round, plain little seed. But there are some other seeds that are smaller even than that. And so it's not that it's the very smallest seed ever, but it was more like a common saying. Kind of like we would say um, someone or something as quiet as a mouse. You know, we know that there's things that are quieter than a mouse. You know, if you've had a mouse in your house ever and you can hear it kind of, you know, rummaging around or squeaking and it just kind of gets the creeps. And so we know, but in general, a mouse is quiet and light on its feet and can kind of sneak around, but it's just the same that we use, quiet as a mouse. So that's kind of like what this is. As small as mustard seed was was just a common thing that Jesus was using um, in his example. You're probably familiar with how Jesus also said um, to have faith as or having faith as small as mustard seed. So he used that um, that saying there as well. So it's not just the smallness of the seed that matters here, but it's how something that is so small can eventually become so great. Because in the beginning, Jesus' kingdom didn't really look like much. It was very much like that mustard seed. It was very small. It seemed kind of insignificant um, if you just looked at it. But it was going to grow into something great. And so let's take a look at at this small beginning. um, Because even the circumstances of Jesus' birth, and and he himself, you know, is started out very small and very common. We think of his, his parents, you know, Joseph and Mary, they were just common people. Mary just was a common poor girl. Joseph was a simple carpenter. You know, even though he was in the line of David, he wasn't a king. He was he was just a simple carpenter. And so they were very common mustard seed kind of people. And um, we can see that reflected if you turn towards the end of chapter 13, we kind of see um, see how people reacted to Jesus and what they did think of, of his family. Um, go to verse 53 of chapter 13. It says, When Jesus had finished these parables, he moved on from there. Coming to his hometown, he began teaching the people in their synagogue, and they were amazed. Where did this man get this wisdom and these miraculous powers, they asked? Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother's name Mary? And aren't his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? Aren't all his sisters with us? Where then did this man get all these things? And they took offense at him. So even though the people were really amazed at what Jesus had to say, after they thought about where he came from and his small beginnings, they just kind of disregarded what he said. You know, they they thought greatness should come from greatness, not from something so small and so common. And so to, to a lot of people who looked at Jesus, they just couldn't believe that this kingdom was coming from this common, plain-looking man. Um, we also can see this, you know, we, we're very familiar with the Christmas story. Um, at Christmas, we, you know, we set up little nativity sets or like cards that have the um, you know, manger scene on them, or kids acted out in plays, and, and we think it's very quaint and very cute, but it really was a, a small, common way to, um, to be born. This past Christmas, uh, one night, I took my kids over to a church in East Moline that was doing a, a live nativity, 
They had never seen one before, so I thought it'd be a neat thing to, to drive them down there. And so we got there, you know, and they could kind of see the stable out in front of the church, and there were some lights on. You could see there were you know, people dressed up and some animals, so they're getting kind of excited. So they parked, and they ran out to, to run over and look, and, and they looked, and in probably less than a minute, my boys were like, this is it? Like, you know, it was like, they're, you know, you're supposed to go and see big things, you know, on Christmas life, and all these things at Christmas, and then this is it? And my daughter lasts a little bit longer, because she likes animals, and so she was pet the donkey and stuff, but, but it was kind of that feeling, and I kind of even felt that, like, oh, we made all this effort to come here, and that's it? And, and I wonder if, you know, sometimes Mary and Joseph felt like that, or, or that's what it really did look like. It was just, they were just there. It, it wasn't like how we see it now. We see it from a whole different perspective. But at the time, it, it kind of felt like that, like a little mustard seed. Like, that's it? What, what could come of that? And, uh, and we see that, you know, in Luke 2, 7, you know that verse, how she wrapped them in cloths and laid them in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. You know, God didn't even reserve a room for them. You know, he had this great plan, but here they were out in the, in the stable or wherever they were, and, and he was laid in the manger. So um, so that's kind of a strange way to start out. And then um, if you turn to Matthew chapter 2, this is um, where the Magi are on their way to uh, Jerusalem. And they stop and visit King Herod. I want to point out a couple things um, in these verses. Matthew 2, 1 through 6. It says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet excuse me, has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For Adam will become a ruler who will be shepherd of my people Israel. And so here we have you know, King Herod and this great king, but the king of the Jews, um, the king of kings, he was going to come from this tiny little town in Bethlehem. And what I'd like you to do, in my Bible, maybe in yours too, there, it has the reference to the book of Micah, where this prophecy came from. And so it's actually just a few books back um, from Matthew in the Bible. So at the end of the Old Testament, um, if you could turn to Micah chapter 5. any of yours? <laughs> Okay. Um, <laughs> <is it> really? <laughs> All right. Um, Micah five two through five. So this is where that that prophecy uh, came from. And so as I read, take notice that um, we'll see the word small and we'll see the word great within these verses. It says, but you Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah. Out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. Therefore, Israel will be abandoned until the time when she who is in labor gives birth, and the rest of his brothers return to join the Israelites. 
He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they will live securely, for then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth, and he will be their peace. And so, from the beginning, God had this plan that he was, that's what his kingdom was going to look like. He was going to start from what seemed small, and it was going to become great. And so in our day and age, you know, we have the benefit of seeing that. We can look back through the Bible and see this whole plan played out. Um, but for the disciples, they didn't have that same perspective. That's that filling at the bottom there. The disciples didn't have that same perspective. They were just looking at it straight on. They were just looking at the mercy seed, and they couldn't see the full-grown plant, the full-grown tree. So let's take a look at at kind of some evidence of this, of the small perspective that the disciples have. We're going to look at um, the common story of the feeding of the 5,000, which is um, also in Matthew and the other Gospels as well. But turn to Matthew chapter 14. And you're probably familiar with it, but I'll just go ahead and read through it to remind us of the story. Um, Yeah, start with verse 14. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here to me, he said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up twelve twelve basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about five thousand men, besides women and children. Um, so the disciples, you know, they were they were looking at the crowd, and they were looking at their resources, and they just couldn't fathom that what they had could go so far and feed so many. Um, in John, in this account in John, it says um, that Peter says, here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? They, they had this limited perspective of what Jesus could do. Uh, you know, and they were just basing it on their experience. You know, usually that much food would only feed a boy like that. And maybe it would feed a man for lunch. We'd, you know, probably be hungry later. But it, it couldn't feed a crowd. That just doesn't happen. But Jesus saw things with a heavenly perspective. He saw that food and that boy, and he saw the potential there. And he saw what could be done when that food was brought to him and placed in his hands. And that's the key. Uh, I like also what it says in the version of John. Uh, it says, when Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. And don't you love that? How God has always had a plan. That's the next element. God has always had a plan. We see things from just this limited view, but he has this big, broad plan um, and he knows what he's doing, and he 
He has it all worked out. You know, we have, we're unlimited, or we, we are limited in what we can do and our resources and our abilities, but God is unlimited. He has unlimited knowledge, unlimited wisdom, unlimited power, unlimited ability. You know, he's the beginning and the end. He, he's everything, and so he can do so much more than we can even imagine. And I think we can be a lot like the disciples were. Um, you know, we look at what's right in front of us, and we think, this is it? Like, this is what you gave me to work with, God? This is my life? This is my resources? This is your plan for me? Like, it, it just seems so small with my eyes. But God is looking at it um, with his perspective, with his eyes. Um, and he, he knows the truth about his kingdom, that even what seems small can grow and can be significant and be used uh, for his glory. And it's just, it's a theme that's woven all throughout the Bible. The more you study the Bible, you see this in people's lives um, and how God works, that he takes what's small and makes it great. And it's not just that it's a nice thought, it's really truth. That's how God works. And uh, and we need to to realize that because I, that's not how the world works. We talk a lot about the kingdom of God and the world and how they're very different. The world doesn't work like that, but God does. And um, so what we're going to do is we're going to um, talk about these questions in just a minute. Um, before that, we're gonna, I have a video I'd like to show you that... Uh, that really is a, a music video. It really takes all these thoughts and uh, and puts it in a way that maybe you can help, you can process it more. But as you're watching, be thinking about these questions here in your paper. Because um, after the video, I want you to talk about, is there anything in your life that seems small right now? You know, do you feel small? Um, do your efforts seem small? Uh, maybe your resources? Do you have a, a dream that still just feels small? Uh, and what encouragement can you take uh, from this song, from the parable, from the feeding of 5,000? And so uh, when the song is over, we're going to talk about it.
very limited perspective, and I just can't see beyond um, what's right in front of me. Uh, I've shared that I have three kids, and right now they're uh, nine, almost eight, and six and a half. And they're obviously not full grown yet, but they're growing, and they're you know they're they're growing up. And my perspective about their lives is growing too as they get older. Uh, when when my youngest Dylan was born, um, he was born my. My daughter, Lindsay, had turned two and a half a week before that, and my son, Casey, was 15 months. And so uh, so for a little while, you know, I had that three kids under the age of three thing, and I know I'm not the only one who, who that happened to. <laughs> um, but for me at that time, I just was so overwhelmed by that. And I think it had a lot to do with my perspective, because I was, all I could see was these babies in front of me. As I looked around my house, it was just babies, you know, needy, dependent babies, and I just could not see past that. And, and so I just, I felt very overwhelmed, and it was a very hard time for me. So a lot of, a lot of tears, not just for my kids, but, um, it was just, it was really hard. Um, and so now that they're getting older, my, my perspective is, um, is really growing. And, you know, I can look at babies like, I love this little, how old is she? She's seven months. She's, she's so precious, she's probably noticed her before. But I can look at a little baby like that now, and I can see, like, beyond that. I don't just see a baby. I can see, you know, I think, <laughs> yeah, you probably are there. And that's how it is. It's like, you just, that's all you can see. And now, you know, I think of my daughter, who's nine, and I think of, you know, how she'll grow up and, and into, you know, something like that. And if you, your kids are fully grown, you're older, you have an even broader perspective on life, and you see things differently because of your experience, because of how the years have gone by. But it, it can be hard sometimes when you're just in that, and you don't see beyond that. Um, a couple weeks ago, my um, husband, Brian, his grandma passed away, she was 95, and uh, his other grandma, she's 92 right now, and she's doing well. But, you know, anytime someone lives into their 90s, it's like, wow, that's a lot of life to just experience and to reflect back on it to have this bigger perspective on life. And so I've, as I was thinking about perspective and, and with age, how our perspective broadens, um, I was reminded of this story in Luke where um, Mary and Joseph take baby Jesus to the temple and they have this um, experience with these two elderly um, people who are at the temple. And so um, instead of studying the parable of the yeast and getting more into that, we're actually going to spend our time in Luke chapter 2, and uh, we're going to just gain some insights from, from this story. Was, see, as I kind of got started with it, God just kept giving me more, and so we're just going to go to this um, for now. So Luke chapter 2, I'm read a little bit out of time here, um, have a chance to talk about it. So Luke chapter 2, uh, let's start with verses 21 through uh, 24. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise him, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he had been conceived. When the time of their purification, according to the law of Moses, had been completed, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. So here, here Jesus is, this little baby. Uh, before when I read this, I always thought, 
I saw the eighth day, and I always thought he was eight days old, but he was actually really more like a month or so old. Uh, if you look back in Leviticus, it talks about how you know, after they're circumcised on the eighth day, then uh, if the mother has a son, she has to wait 33 days uh, in order to be considered purified, and then she can go to the temple and offer sacrifices. So he was actually more like a month old um, when they got to uh, the temple there. But here they were, Mary and Joseph, they were, you know, they waited the right amount of time, they had it circumcised, they, they were taking these sacrifices, even though they were poor, they, they uh, you know, did the doves and the pigeons of what they could do. And what they were doing is they were being obedient. That's the filling on your hand up there. Mary and Joseph, they were just being obedient. That's, that's what they knew about what God expected of them. That's what they knew um, about you know, Scripture. So they were just being obedient. And I think for us, you know, we need to be obedient too. Maybe we feel like we don't. We, we're poor in spirit or poor in resources. We don't have much. But we need to just take that next, next step and just be, um, be obedient. You know, I don't think sacrificing animals, that doesn't seem like a real enjoyable thing to do or very exciting. Just like, you know, changing dirty diapers, that's just not very exciting. And, but you can do it because that's, that's the season you're in. That's what you're supposed to do. And so you're just obedient. You're faithful to where God has you um, at that time. And another thing that, that I think is neat about this is that uh, Mary and Joseph held the promise in their hands. They held Jesus. He was the promise. But the timing wasn't right for the for the fulfillment of that promise. You know, here they were. They were going and making these sacrifices while at the same time they were holding Jesus, who was going to be the ultimate sacrifice, so that they would never have to do that again. And so, you know, they were... They had the promise right there. God had promised it to them. The angels had told it to them. But the time wasn't right yet. They still had to wait. Um, wait on the Lord. And waiting is hard, isn't it? I, for me, I know that that can be so hard. Especially when we feel like God has given us a glimpse of maybe his plan for us. But it's just not happening yet. But again, that's, that's a common theme in the Bible. When God you know, speaks to like David or Moses... Or, or different people, it's like they kind of know that God has a plan for them, but it's just his timing of working it out, and they have to wait uh, on his timing. Uh, when my kids were at that stage of being so little, um, it was really hard for me, and I remember one time talking to Patty about it, and about how, you know, I felt like I felt like I had this calling into ministry somehow, and that Brian and I both did, but, you know, it just wasn't going anywhere, and we couldn't do much when the kids were little, and it was just really hard, and so I was just kind of, you know, pouring out my heart for one time, and she, she was giving me some wisdom, and she um, she told me, you know, if God really has given you some kind of calling, or he has this plan for you, that calling is still going to be there when your kids are growing up, or when, you know, when, when the time is right, but you just have to wait on that, and you have to be faithful to the season that you're in right now, so that you're ready for when that time is right. And that's hard. It's so hard to hear that at the time, but it's true that God has his plan, but it has to happen in his time. And his kingdom is growing, but it's going to happen um, in his time. It also reminds me of the story when uh, Jesus was at that wedding banquet, and 
Um, they ran out of wine, and, and Mary comes up to him, and she says, you know, she tells him about the situation, and Jesus says, dear woman, why do you involve me? My time has not yet come. And I think we're like Mary a lot, you know, here she's been waiting this whole life, like, come on, Jesus, when are you going to do, do what, you know, I thought you were going to do? And we go to Jesus, and we think, come on, Jesus, let's, let's go here. We have this, you know, great opportunity that you could do something. Um, but but it's all about his timing. He's, he's not in a hurry. Um, he's got this big perspective, and he, he sees it all. And so um, so I want you to talk about that around the tables. How are you doing um, at, in these areas? You know, how are you doing at being obedient um, where God has you? And um, how are you doing on, on just waiting on God's timing and keeping in step with that and not trying to rush on ahead or getting impatient? Um, what are your thoughts on that?
the shepherd had come and visited them, and that kind of confirmed to them that, okay, you know, this really is true, this is really happening, but this is probably before, like, the Magi had come and visited, so they were still, you know, just in the beginning, like, you know, do we have this right, that this really is the Messiah, that really were visited by angels, and this is all um, true, and, and so this is probably helping them, this is just a confirmation that, yes, this is true, he really is uh, the Messiah. And so that was probably just a very joy-filled moment, and Simeon was full of joy, and, and that was exciting. But then Simeon talks directly to Mary, and you know, I can just kind of picture him just giving giving Jesus back, and then just kind of getting more serious, maybe touching her arm, and just looking right at her, and telling her that, that this is going to, being the mother of Jesus is going to conclude a lot of ups and downs, a lot of joy, but a lot of pain. Um, in her life and, and in the lives of the people uh, around her, and so it wasn't uh, wasn't going to be easy. Um, in the box on your paper, what I'd like you to use that for is to think about um, times in your life that have brought you great joy. Like on one side, maybe two things that have brought you great joy, and the things that have brought you pain in your life. Um, because as we see our lives unfolding, as we see the kingdom unfolding, God uses both joy and pain in his plan. Um, both of these things are meant to bring us closer to him and meant to um, reveal his glory. He can re- you know, even in pain, God can receive glory. And in joy, God can receive glory. And so, um, so I want us to think about that. Take a minute to just kind of write down your own thoughts, and then you don't have to share everything um, if something is particularly painful, but, but I think it's good to kind of share with each other that that God's plan includes both, and that um, that we can be reminded that, you know, just like that seed needs both rain and sunshine to grow, um, that we and the kingdom need, need both of these things um, in order to, to really grow. So take, take a minute to write down your own thoughts, and then... <coughs> I like sharing them. Older in my Bible, and probably yours too. At the bottom, it says uh, 
you know, says she, she was a widow until she was 84, but then there's also, it could be that she was a widow for 84 years. So then that would make her even older. So either way, she was very old. And so she was there at the temple, and uh, we don't know exactly what God revealed to her about the Messiah. Like if she had been given that promise, like Simeon, um, if she knew all about this, um, or if you know she was just coming up at that moment and she heard Simeon saying all that, and so she just responded to that and, and praised God for what he was saying about Jesus. Um, but either way, in that moment, she was seeing things from God's perspective. And on your notes here, I put, Anna saw things from God's perspective, not just because of her old age, but because of the time she spent with him. The time she spent with God. It, the Bible says that she was, worth, she was in the temple you know, day and night, that she never left. That's, that's, where she, um, that's where she spent her time. And so I think the more time that we spend with God, the more our perspective changes, that we can start to see beyond uh, what's right in front of us. And, and he will reveal um, the truth about his kingdom to us. I put a reference to Mark 4.34 there. If you could just flip over to that real quick. This is um, actually the place in Mark that has the parable of the mustard seed. And in his gospel, um, he doesn't have the yeast, it's just the mustard seed by itself, which is kind of where we are at today. But I want us to look at verses, particularly at verse 34. I'll read 33 and 34. Uh, it says, with many similar parables, Jesus spoke the words to them as much as they could understand. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. And, but here's the part I like. When he was alone with his disciples, he explained everything. And so it's that alone time that Jesus had with his disciples. You know, they, they heard everything in the crowd and other people in the crowd. They heard these things. But a lot of them didn't really understand it. Even the disciples couldn't really figure out these parables on their own. But it was when Jesus took them aside and took that time with just them that he could explain it to them. And, um, and that's what's, um, what's so important. I know for me, I, I don't do that enough. Even with, at first when I was starting playing this lesson, it was easy to start just you know, going online, looking at what other Bible teachers thought and different things. But it was really in that time where it was just me and God that, that the insights would really come and that I really felt like I was I was connecting with the scripture and getting deep into it. And that's what it takes. Instead of always turning, you know, to the people around us who are looking, looking for answers other places, it's that time with God that's going to give us that perspective on things. Um, I saw this just this past weekend, kind of an example of this. Um, I was up in the three-year-old room during the 1045 service. Um, I planned the preschool um, services for the weekends. And I wasn't actually planning on being in there, um, but uh, one teacher was sick, and one wasn't going to be able to make it in because of the roads, and so I ended up teaching in there. And uh, and so even though I knew what the lesson was, for whatever reason, it wasn't. They did go really well. I, I was enjoying my time with the kids, but they just were not listening and you know rolling on the floor and just everything three-year-olds do. They just don't really get it at that age. Um, and so it just kind of felt like a lost cause. Like they weren't. They just weren't getting it. But then um, towards the end, during the checkout time. There were just two little girls left you know, waiting for their, their parents to come. There's one little girl seen by the door, and she had her coloring page in her hand. And um, the story had been about Jesus healing the ten lepers and um, 
one came back to get things. And so as she was standing there, I was talking to her just one-on-one about her coloring page, you know, who's that, and who's that, and what happened. And like in that one minute, I felt like she got it more than the ten minutes I had tried explaining it to the group. And, and I think that's like us. We're like those three-year-olds who are like, oh, they're la da da we're distracted, and we're just not getting it, going over our head. But, but we can, when we can just get that one-on-one time with Jesus, it's like, oh, okay, now I get it. And, and that's what we have to have is that time with him. And I think that's why Anna probably had the perspective she did, is, is the time she spent with him. Uh, a couple of other quick things just about her. Uh, I think Anna stayed close, well it says Anna stayed close to God through worship, fasting, and prayer. That's all in there. Turn back to Luke. She stayed close to God through worship, fasting, and prayer. You know, through her, her worship of God, you know, it's best when you can really just lift up your soul to God and just give Him adoration and, and worship Him for who He is and give Him glory. Uh, through fasting, you know, she probably learned to hunger and thirst for God as she gave up food and just thought about God and, and who He was. And then through prayer, that's how she communicated with God and cultivated that relationship with Him. So those things were very important for her and for us. That's how we really can connect with God. And then um, another thing that I noticed she did was she gave thanks. As she saw Jesus, she gave thanks. And she also gave testimony. After she had seen him, she went and um, shared shared about this with, with other people who were expectant about the Messiah. And so uh, those are important too, I think. You know, she could have been a bitter old woman. You know, here her husband has died at a very young age. She was a widow. She was alone all these years. And she could have become very bitter. But I would guess that that she had a spirit of thankfulness probably in her life. That she looked for things she could be thankful for. um, And just having that kind of perspective. And then um, giving testimony can sometimes help our perspective to just share, like we do around the table, share our stories, share what God has done in our lives. And so, um, just for the next few minutes here before Stacey comes in, talk about, are any of these things that were in Anna's life, are any of them missing from your relationship with God, like right now in your life, um, this week even? You know, maybe what's one thing that you could say, you know, I really need to to do this this week. I think that might help me in my perspective on life and um, my relationship with God. So take take from Anna there and, and everyone try to give everyone a chance to just share what what are you missing, what do you maybe need to put more time into.